Hey everybody, Craig here. Welcome to Yes Have Some Podcast. A little something different. Uh, this is just a little bonus episode for all of our listeners out there. I sat down with uh, writer and director and actor Corey Landis, who has worked for the past several years on a Masters of the Universe documentary called Toy Masters. Now, the documentary has not been released as of yet, but what he did was he released it as a five-part podcast, and it's amazing. I found it, and uh, it was enthralling. I absolutely loved it, and I wanted to talk to him. Everybody knows I'm new to the Masters of the Universe world, and uh, it was a an education listening to the podcast. So what I would suggest you do is before you listen to this interview, uh, go and check out Toy Masters. It's uh, five episodes. It's on iTunes, wherever you get podcasts. And uh, after that, come back for the supplemental interview with Corey. Obviously, you don't have to do it in that order. You could listen to this interview. I think you guys will get a lot out of it. Uh, so I was really happy to talk to Corey and uh, learn about uh, the process of making the documentary, all of the turmoil at Mattel, in the creation and the rights to Masters of the Universe. It's a great story. It needs to be told in movie form. They need to cast me as uh, somebody. I'll play somebody. I'll play the guy, uh, uh, Roger Sweet. That's who I'm going to play. The guy who like, says he created He-Man. Did he? I don't know. You got to watch the, uh, you know, listen to the documentary, then listen to the interview, and uh, you make those decisions. I can't do that for you. Uh, but thank you guys for uh, tuning in for Yes, Have Some bonus interview with Corey Landis coming up right now. Here we go. Corey Landis, the writer, producer, director of a podcast that I found uh, by complete accident, which is uh, always my favorite thing, Toy Masters. Uh, uh, And anybody who listens to uh, Yes Have Some knows that uh, uh, Masters of the Universe is a brand new world for me. So uh, I immediately searched Masters of the Universe podcast. This is the first one I found. Listen to all five episodes. Corey Landis. Uh, Corey, man, how are you doing? I'm well. Uh, thank you for uh, uh, finding it and finding me and saying that you enjoyed it and for your very kind review. It's uh, much appreciated. I'm glad that uh, there are people out there that can stumble upon it. So it's uh, it's a pleasure to make your acquaintance and chat with you. Absolutely, yeah. It's it's kind of funny. I mean, you know, we uh, yes have some is uh, we're we're still pretty niche uh, focused. We obviously we talk a lot about toy collecting, a lot about Ghostbusters, uh, Ninja Turtles, and and so on and so on. But uh, Masters of the Universe, just to kind of update, let me let me let you know where I'm at before we go any further. So I uh, I have no nostalgic ties to uh to masters of the universe i was born in 1984 so by time mm-hmm. by time it, it kind of was running yeah. its course i was just coming into uh you know discovering you know properties and tv shows and toys and things like that but um mm-hmm. so it's all new to me um and uh i i love learning about the history of it but before we go down that road uh why don't you just tell me a little bit about you how you got involved i mean i know this was a from what I could tell, originally going to be a feature documentary, and now it's a podcast. So, uh, how'd you get started? What, maybe what are your early memories of uh, Masters, and just then cover like thirty years? <laughs> how'd you get? Hey, okay, yeah, no, no, no problem. Uh, yeah, there'll be a big blank section in the middle, but we'll just uh, uh, hurdle over that. Cool. Uh, I mean, it was it was definitely the the first kind of thing I remember just getting really really into. Um, I, it just, it just hit, uh, at the right time. And 
you know, I think I probably got my first action figure maybe before I'd even seen the the animated show. And, you know, once the animated show was on, that was sort of it because, you know, it was, it was on for a half hour and sometimes an hour right when I got home from school. So it was, you know, appointment viewing and I would watch it every day. And that only sort of fuels, you know, you wanting to get more toys and all that kind of stuff. So it was, it was very much the first thing that I really, really got into. And, and, and the toys were just so, so great that, um, you know, as opposed to like, sometimes you get into something by watching it and then the toys are available and the toys are a, a little lackluster. It was almost the flip of that where the toys were just so incredible. And it was also cool to see them animated in a, in a show and everything. So I, I was very much into it and all my friends were into it. Um, you know, when I was, uh, a little kid and, you know, I would, uh, you know, got into it to a certain point and it just sort of fell off because you grow up and you get into other stuff. And, um, you know, it was everything else at that time, Star Wars and, and so forth. And also the, as the documentary and podcast indicated, it had a little bit of a, um, you know, fall off. So kind of right when it was waning, so was my, uh, so was my interest in it. Uh, and, but it was always this, you know, thing that, um, I always had in my past that I held dear and had a fondness for and, and so forth. And, uh, and so the, my sort of renewed interest came when, uh, I was, uh, working on some scripts with a buddy of mine, uh, Roger Lay Jr. Uh, and, uh, he, we, we became friends because he cast me in a, in a film and, uh, we, realized that we had a lot in common and a lot of similar interests and we just became fast friends and just enjoyed sharing notes and stories about, you know, just all, all sorts of comic book stuff and genre stuff and sci-fi and nerdy stuff and all the way into comedy with, you know, Letterman and all that kind of stuff. And, right, uh, right. and so we were both in between, um, projects, which is a euphemism for, uh, hopelessly unemployed and, uh, you know, no, no, uh, no prospects. And so we were like, well, let's write some scripts. So we were, we were writing some scripts and, uh, during, during all that, we just, you know, would always talk about all of this other stuff. And at one point he, he mentioned, uh, uh, this book, and he said, well, uh, have you ever read this, this book called Mastering the Universe? And I was like, no. He's like, oh, you got to read it. It's this, it's this great book by one of the guys who created He-Man. And it's, it goes into all this detail. And, uh, and it's, it, it's a fascinating uh, read that you have to read. And so I took it home and I read it. And uh, I came back and I said, uh, you know, it, has anybody done anything on this? And, and we did some research and we found out that nobody had done any sort of documentary documentary material about, about the story and about the history of the toy line and all that kind of stuff. And I was just like, well, I mean, not for nothing. If we're looking for something to do, uh, if nobody's done this, it might be something to think about. And I didn't, I didn't really think it would go anywhere, but, uh, but Roger had had some experience with documenting um, things. He uh, 
he shot a movie called 95 miles to go, which is a documentary about Ray Romano going back, uh, on the road, uh, doing standup after, um, you know, he had been off the road doing Raymond and, uh, he also had done some other documentary kind of stuff and he had the equipment and he was the one who said, you know, uh, uh that thing that you mentioned that we should do, we're, we're doing it. And I was like, okay. And then he, the next week it would be, all right, I've reached out to all these people and blah, blah, blah. And so it just started from there. And, and it just became a thing where without any real purpose in mind, other than documenting, um, talking to all of these people and all of the different permutations of the master's toy line, we just would go out every weekend and talk to somebody new and just would film it. And then everything kind of, uh, went from there, but we really didn't have an idea of what we were doing, um, and how it was going to come together. But it was just kind of like, well, if nobody's ever done this and nobody's talked to these people, at least we should go out and put this down because, you know, some of the folks are getting a little older and you never know what's going to happen. And right. so it just kind of, it just kind of, uh, went from there. Cool. So, um, you know, just doing a documentary is hard. Like it's, it's obviously a ton of work. Uh, there, there's the, different aspects of it, right? There's the actually doing all the interviews and all the producing and all of the, you know, getting there's rights issues. There's so much that goes into it that people don't consider. So fast forward now, uh, it's being released in podcast form, which I really liked because it's, I, it, it, it was almost like a true crime podcast, but you're talking about masters of the universe and it's five episodes right. and it, it was, uh, very digestible, even, you know, to somebody who isn't, you know, I've got some uh, level of being familiar with with the brand, and obviously, when you're around pop culture and nerd culture, like you know right. what you know. Um, but I, I, I can't tell anybody enough uh, to to check it out if you have any interest in uh, in toys in general, and also just like '80s corporate culture. Uh, yes. You know, this is uh, very different than something, and I'm going to reference Ghostbusters a lot because it's the only thing I know anything about. Um, but when feel you th- free, feel <laughs> free. You're you're in a friendly uh, house, so go right? For it. So when you think about Ghostbusters as a concept, that is, you know, Dan Aykroyd, uh, Harold Ramis, Ivan Reitman. They've created this thing; it's theirs. There's no question about you know who the originators were. Uh, but with with He-Man and Masters of the Universe, and this is kind of what uh, you really touch on on the podcast, there's this whole basically uh, war of words between multiple people over the years of, you know, who whose idea it was and who created it and who created what characters and who should get proper credit. And it's just fascinating to hear, um, you know, a lot of times as people get older, they soften their stances and they, uh, they, yeah. they make amends. But you really do a lot of focus on this between Roger Sweet and Mark Taylor, if I'm correct, on those two names, mm-hmm. who are kind of your – they you know as the podcast unfolds, they're kind of your two main characters. Um, and uh, they, they both really stand their ground and, and for, for better or worse, believe what they say is, is uh, the gospel when it comes to who created Masters of the Universe. And – uh, it's just fascinating. So I can't imagine what it was like to be there for these interviews and you're just capturing gold. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was pretty, um, freaky at times and, uh, always interesting. And, um, yeah, it, I mean, we, 
we went uh, very much back and forth. We um, we interviewed Roger first. We flew up to uh, the Seattle area to talk to him, and we spent a lot of time with him. And then we talked to Mark Taylor, and then we got a chance when Roger uh, – Sweet was visiting his brother in L.A. to do another interview with him where we sort of played some stuff that Mark Taylor said to give him a chance to rebut it. And then we went back and talked to Mark Taylor about the things that he said. And, you know, it was it was really wild because everybody's very convincing. And when you listen to them and you like them as people, you just believe what they say. And then with every new interview, we had to kind of go like, well, we thought we knew what was going on now. Maybe we don't. And we just kept flip flopping back and forth, which is something that I wanted to sort of do in the in the documentary and the podcast to sort of take everybody on that journey of just when you think you kind of have your mind made up and new information comes up or there's a new sort of, uh, you know, way of looking at things. And um, it was, yeah, when we were there were, you know, several moments, uh, you know, when when we were playing stuff for. Uh, Roger Sweet that Mark Taylor had said, and Roger Sweet's just sort of, you know, flipping his lid and, you know, just watching his reaction to things and just making sure that it was captured. Uh, it was just like, like you said, it's just like you felt there was some real gold there. And then, um, you know, talking to uh, Mark Taylor and his, uh, his uh, good friend, Ted Mayer, who uh, also worked on the toy line, you know, afterward, we we kept the cameras rolling after the interview was over because why not? Because they started talking a little bit more casually about everything. And it's just like, let's keep this rolling. Oh, this is this is really, really good off the cuff stuff. And uh, yeah, there was just this feeling in certain times of, of, of the interviews where it was, you know, it was very interesting to see people just be. Uh, be themselves and and have it captured uh and it got and it got it got wacky with roger sweet because um at a certain point after we had already flown to see him and he knew what we were doing and he you know he gave us like a three-hour interview and then we met up with him in la later like i told you it, it it came time to for the formality of him signing the release form which is just a basic thing that says that you know, you're aware that a camera is rolling and that we're, it's going to be used in a documentary. And all of a sudden he refused to sign the, the release form. And, you know, and and it was, it was very much like that a lot of times where it's just like just people behaving very strangely and just wondering whether this is ever going to happen. And, uh, yeah, it was it was a very very interesting um, filming process. Yeah, and 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 that's what I really like about the the pod because you you do capture that. It's not just the interviews. You you kind of interject with little anecdotes about you know what was actually happening uh, back and forth you know, prior to the interview, after the interview, and I think maybe you know you even mentioned some of that stuff about like the waiver and. Uh, I could have. Yeah, I could have. Yeah, yeah, that was I I wanted to in the podcast gave an opportunity to sort of editorialize a little bit more. I, you know, the all the audio from everything is taken from the documentary. But the podcast, I kind of thought like 
I can kind of interject a little bit more yeah. of the back backstage stories. It's funny you mentioned the the kind of showing the reactions, or, or I'm sorry, capturing the reactions uh, based on like what the other guy said. Because I don't know if you watched that uh, uh, the Last Dance, which was the Michael Jordan documentary this year, and mm-hmm. uh, that's one thing they would do where they would have an interview with you know another basketball player, Isaiah Thomas, and they would show his comments to Michael Jordan and film it and then get his like live response. And I was like, man, more documentaries should do this because you know, you've got who knows when the last time Mark Taylor and Roger Sweet actually, you know, talked was. So to 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 kind of you're kind of seeing that human emotion come out like, oh, these guys, they're this goes beyond who created what there's, there's some bad blood there. Um, Absolutely. And I guess we, we can, you know, I, I, I want all of our listeners to go chat. I don't want to give away everything, but you know, everybody's got to come to their own conclusions on uh, you know, what folks motivations are and why they, uh, why they are the way they are. I guess that's what we're always trying to figure out in the world is why people are the way they are. Yes. Um, but with, with masters of the universe, it just has such a, uh, it's uh it's an incredible fan base from what I'm from what I'm learning. And it's really rooted in the toys, which is so interesting to me because with something like, you know, Ghostbusters, Ninja Turtles, Star Wars, there's a lot of different facets to the, uh, you know, you might like just the movies or you like building the props or you collect the toys or whatever, but like, uh, He-Man, it, it kind of, the toys are equally as important as the animated series. And it's kind of like a 50, 50 split. So sure. And that's what also makes it funny is like as a collector, when you're talking to these guys who created a toy line, uh, you know, 30 years ago, you know, the world's a lot different now than it was back then. And it just it's just kind of an amazing thing to witness. So uh, I guess all I'm saying is thanks for doing it. That's what I'm telling oh. you. <laughs> well, yeah, no, it's yeah, it's um, I uh, I I just it, what you were mentioning before about how. You know, you really didn't have a knowledge base of it. And it, that that was something that was important to me as we were really getting down to the nitty gritty of making uh, making it was that I wanted it to be accessible to people who didn't really know anything about it. I wanted them to be able to watch the thing and and not think that this was just some sort of fan film about, you know, obscure uh, trivia and all that kind of stuff, because in the end, uh, you know, a, a, a great uh, or let's say a good documentary is one that can anybody can sit down and watch whether they have any knowledge about it before and just get into the story. And, and the thing about the 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 story that we're sort of telling in the, in the Toy Masters documentary and podcast is. It's really not about toys. It's not about He-Man. It's not about any of that stuff. It's about, uh, like you said, corporations, about uh, hierarchy, about art versus commerce. It's about all of these other things, about human nature, about uh, strange peccadilloes that people have and won't let go of. It's, it's not really about the toys at all. That's just sort of the artifice that uh, sort of holds up the story that's being told, but it could be, it's the same story that gets told over and over and over again. It just happens to be set in the eighties and it's in, at a toy company, but right. it's and, just so much more than that. And I have a feeling that there are different versions of this story. You know, when you work for a toy company, you're just working for Mattel. 
um, and you work on all these different product lines. Maybe you work on, you know, Barbie or Hot Wheels or whatever. But this was the creation of, you know, a property that yeah. has gone on to generate, you know, millions and millions of dollars for a period of 30 or 40 years. You kind of get that feeling that these guys put the work in and credit's great, legacy's great, but you kind of get the vibe that, you know, money is also a motivator. And you really can't blame people because if this is your thing that you worked on and you, you, and, and there's, you know, somebody's making a lot of money off of it and it's not you. Uh, I, I imagine bitterness and resentment just, you know, I don't think that's exclusive to masters of the universe. Like I'm yeah, sure exactly. whoever designed the cover art for, you know, the first Mario brothers game, or there's probably just a lot of different versions of this. There's story. tons of, there's tons of, like I just heard something recently on, a podcast about how the woman who did the voice of ET got paid like $300 for her session, you know, and it's just, it's insane to think about. And so on one hand you go, well, that's the deal you signed. Right. And then on the other hand you go like, well, maybe you should kind of do a Lucas thing and kind of offer up, uh, different points in the back end as a thank you. And it's the toy industry is just not going to do that, you know? So a lot of these people feel burned. Well, because you know, the margins, in the toy industry are so small and, you know, every, you know, anything you watch about toys and especially the creation of a line, it's always funny. We hear collectors and fans like, why are there re-releases? Why are there repacks? Why are they using the same tooling? It's like, it's because it's so expensive, so expensive. Um, but, um, yeah. Are you a, are you a collector? Are you a toy collector yourself? Yeah, I would, I would say I, I would say I am. Yeah. I have, um, my my house is I don't want to use the term littered, but let's say decorated with uh, uh, tchotchkes of uh, a variety of uh, subjects and natures. I've got I've got tons of action figures that are still in their packaging in my garage that I haven't had a place to display. But, yeah, I'm I'm very much into uh, uh, gathering things and displaying them. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what we live for over here. Uh, that's uh, a major part of uh our, our motivation to get up in the morning. We, we love collecting. We love all these different toy lines. Um, and it's interesting with masters because in this kind of goes back into where maybe some of that resentment and some of that stress comes from those, uh, those original creators is that they've, you know, masters of the universe classics was a big deal when it, when they relaunched it in like Oh eight oh nine. And, uh, and now they're about to do another relaunch with the, the origins line and all of that's based on the original stuff. So, uh, yeah, you know, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm it's sure it, yeah, it, and all life. those people, all those people who designed that stuff, never had any idea that it would resurface forty years later. You know, and it, it, it's got to be strange and a little rankling to to see toys on shelves for something that maybe you designed that that long ago that you'd forgotten about. And now all of a sudden, somebody's making money off of it. It's right. it's, it's a bizarre a notion. Yeah. And I do want to say, I mean, you know, obviously the, that stuff is part of, of the series of the, of the podcast, but you, you guys really went into detail on the, uh, you know, the early, the brainstorming sessions and what, what kind of led to it, you know, all the stuff from kind of starting off with the concepts of Conan and, uh, you know, how the, you know, who was putting their heads together to do which builds and all the stuff with, uh, um, 
you know, the, the animated series kind of being its own thing. And then you, you went into some good detail on, on the movie, which I've all, all of that was new and fascinating to me, to me, the masters of the universe movie. The only thing I've ever known about it was, I just don't, I don't think it's a lot like the cartoon and I, I know it's got a cult following and isn't very good. So I actually, after listening to your episode, I watched the movie for the first time in my life. So it was like a good companion piece for me. Mm, what did you think? Um, it's, uh, Man, I think its heart was probably in the right place. I mean, obviously, it's just one of those things where it, as soon as they leave attorney and come to Earth, you're like, this is off the rails already. Uh, yeah. But uh, uh, Dolph, Dolph Lundgren wasn't very great. But there's some really fun stuff in there. Like, there's some, you know, there, there's, uh, I don't know. I mean, I thought Skeletor Frank Langella was great. Like, he took it very great. seriously, obviously. Um, but just knowing, like, the story you guys go over with uh, – you know, the budget kind of falling apart at the end and then pulling the plug and really having to scrape together the end of the movie. Uh, knowing that in the back of my mind as I watched it kind of gave a, uh, uh, I don't know if I did, I should have maybe watched the movie first and then listened to the story because uh, I was like, oh, this is why this looks the yeah. way it does. Yeah, yeah. And and again, it's sort of like an example of how so many things wind up as you watch this thing. And, uh, you know, even when I was a kid, I didn't really enjoy the movie. And, um, you watch it and you just go like, well, this is a mess and it could have been so much more. And then you understand everything that led to that. And then you can go like, Oh, I, I sort of get it. And maybe actually this is a whole lot better than it actually should be considering everything involved. Uh, everybody who was involved in it was, you know, they were trying to do the, uh, the best job that they could. And they got some really, really great, talented people involved. Right. And you go like, well, all right, well, Mattel made a crappy deal to begin with. And then you got, you know, the uh, the canon guys and everything's falling apart. And, you know, so when you when you see the director interviewed, you know, there's a, a, a bit a bit of cheerful defensiveness. And you can understand why, because I'm sure he's just heard over the years how this thing is just not that great. And he's just like, you don't know. It's, it's right. kind of like the, the, the guy in, uh, the guy in Tim Burton's Batman uh, who, who just reconstructed him. He's like, Mr. Nibby, you see what I have to work with here. <laughs> right, right. You know? Yeah, exactly. As he's pulling yeah. the tape off going like, we yeah. did the best we could. Uh, yeah. Well, I think like, uh, uh, what it reminded me of was the super Mario brothers movie with, uh, Bob Hoskins. Bob Hoskins. Yeah. Which is uh kind of a favorite of mine. That that would be the clo- that that's the comparison I came up with where I remember seeing that as a kid and going, Well, I can't articulate what my feelings are because I, I don't know yet, but I, I know that that was not what I was expecting. Um yeah. my buddy, a buddy of mine, Ryan, said uh he's a little I think he may be a year or two older than me, and he was a big Masters fan, and he told me recently that uh that's the first time he ever remembers like leaving a movie theater and being disappointed. And yeah. like, you know, when you're yeah. like, when you're yeah. like six years old, that happened to me. I was a little bit older, but I think Batman and Robin, uh, not oh, Batman, Lord, you know that not Batman forever. I'm a defender of that movie, but Batman and Robin, yeah, Batman and Robin is one of the single worst viewing experiences I've ever had in the theater. I was just like, what the hell did I just watch? I just felt like I'd been eye raped. Yeah. And I feel like I had watched, uh, I think that came out around the same time as Dirty Work, and I saw Dirty Work in theater. It just it was like a joyous experience, and then I saw Batman and Robin. Just was like, oh, this. And I, I was old enough to know like that sucked. Like that was one of yeah. my early like that sucked moments. Yeah, um, yeah, and you know, it, I, I, uh, something that one has to uh, 
go through and move beyond. You know, it's an important thing to have to go into something that you're just so excited about. And because because it's like, you know, it's like like the Phantom Menace syndrome. I I just I just remember at the end of uh, episode one that everybody was so afraid to say how much it sucked, like in the theater. It was kind of giving everybody else the side eye, like, are you going to be the one that voices that this is not good? And everybody's <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, woo! You know, I was right. like, all right, all right. But it, yeah, it's an important thing to kind of come out on the other end of something and, and go like, I admit it, I admit it, that was that was very disappointing. Right, and you know, it's funny, we... we um we started our podcast in, uh, there's normally three of us, but sometimes the three on one interviews can be, uh, uh, a little bit difficult. So I'm just doing the one-on-one tonight, but you know, we started our podcast in 2016 as a reaction to, um, all of the negativity surrounding the, the, the new Ghostbusters movie that was going to come out, the Paul Feig movie. Mm-hmm. And yeah. because there was just so much negativity, so much sexism and chatter. And we were like, well, let's be a beacon of positivity. Let's be open-minded and let's, let's do this. Um, and then it, it took us till about a year after that movie was out to where we finally were like, okay, maybe it wasn't great. <laughs> like, right. Right. Like, but you kind of have to, it's almost like, a grieving process when you're that big of a fan of something. Uh, um, but it's interesting with a property like masters of the universe, because it wasn't too long after that, uh, you know, the ninja, the first Ninja Turtles movie came out and is oh, yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. I, 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 I saw that in the, in the theater, of course I had the poster on my wall. I just remember uh, my dad was nice enough to take me to it. And I was so stoked after seeing it and I was just jazzed and I wanted him to like it so bad too. And I was like, Hey, wasn't that great? Wasn't that great? And I just remember him saying that was entertaining. And I was <laughs> like, that's, that's a really nice magnanimous response. You could have said it sucked donkeys, but you know, you, you said it was entertaining and that's, that's a fair response. That's fair from, from a parent. Like at least he, yeah, took yeah. You. at least he took you. Um, but uh, yeah, it, that this, that's kind of the, the interesting process when you're, when you're such a fan of a, of a property, um, especially when it's tied to you know stuff that was happening when you were a kid, and that's why I always I, I prefaced our conversation by saying I don't have a like a nostalgia for Masters of the Universe, so it's um it's it's all new to me. So um, mm-hmm. I can't imagine what it's like to be a lifelong fan of of the property and to go through the ups and downs because like all of these you know you mentioned Star Wars, I'm a big Star Wars fan, and that that's like that's the definition of ups and downs. Um, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So what, uh, wh- where do you go from here now that, now that the podcast is out and people are listening to it? Um, I'll just keep plugging away toy masters. It's on iTunes, you know, download it, leave a review, do all that stuff because, uh, you guys deserve it. What, um, is it, is this project, is it done or is there more to it or w- w- what's your next step? Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't have anything in mind per se. I, I came up with this idea out of, um, uh, I mean, one time on my hands and frustration that I felt that we had something, uh, good that I kept hearing about people wanting to see and, and sharing in my frustration that it, that it wasn't out. And I just thought like, well, I, I might as well do something with it. And so it was it was just a kind of a, a last ditch effort to uh, 
to get the content at least out there in in some form. Um, what, I don't um, know. Sorry, sorry to interrupt, but no, no. I, I'm just out of curiosity because I don't know. <clears throat> excuse me. What what was the thing that ultimately prevented it from being able to be released in its original uh, intended form? Oh boy. Um, or is that I a don't separate podcast? I, <laughs> that, yeah, I was going to say that's a whole separate podcast. I don't even know how to answer that question succinctly. Um, I would say, I mean, the movie is done and it's, I'm very, very proud of it. And uh, I'll, I'll send you uh, a link to it and you can uh, watch it if you're interested. Absolutely. Um, but I, uh, you know, it's, it's something, uh, it's one of the proudest things, uh, you know, that, that, uh, that I've, that I've done. I'm really, really proud of it. Really, really happy with it. And, um, so it's not for lack of, uh, wanting to get it out there. It's, it, it just gets complicated when, uh, one, you're doing this for the first time and you're, you're doing it with a, a very small group of people and, uh, personalities get in the way and, um, different sort of, uh, notions of how things should go in the end, get in the way that you really didn't discuss from the beginning because you sort of assume that you're all on the same page. And then all of a sudden it's, it's completed. And, you know, maybe some people will go, well, I think we should do this. And I think, uh, it should go like this and we should, you know, and then, and then it's just, it's, if you don't have everybody on the same page and it's not unanimous, you can't really do anything. Right. It's hard to move uh, forward. Yeah. And it's, I mean, and it becomes a, you know, a legal thing as well, because, you know, um, if you put something out uh, that some, somebody worked on and they're, they, they're not signing off on it, then they can possibly come after you. So, right. um, you know, I, we, we <laughs> I can't even begin to start the, the stories about the ups and downs of the uh, process of trying to get it out. And it, it, and it has nothing to do with the external world. It has nothing to do with, with, with rights or Mattel or licensing or anything. It all has to do with very much like the documentary, which there should be a documentary or should have been a documentary about the making of this documentary. It's just (laughs) all people. It's all people. Yeah. And uh, so that's kind of why it, uh, hasn't seen the light of day. It still may. Um, I don't know, but that would involve a whole lot of people just, um, acquiescing and, um, loosening up a little bit. So, right. Well, yeah. I mean, not to tease the audience, but I'd love to check it out, (laughs) but, um, you know, I, I do think, uh, the podcast format worked, uh, because you guys were able to, like you said, you kind of editorialize it a little bit, give good context for the, for the conversations. And, uh, uh, we're all looking for content right now. So, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, that's what I kind of figured. It's been on my to-do list for a little while. And then when this whole thing hit, I'm like, well, no time like the present and everybody's just sitting at home and I devour podcasts. And I just kind of thought it would be, an appropriate time and an appropriate medium to, um, kind of tell the story. So, um, as we kind of get closer to wrapping up here, I do want to ask you, um, you know, you, you were fairly familiar. You read Roger Sweet's book. Um, what, what were, what was the most surprising thing? Is there, there's anything you learned or, you know, took away from the experience making it, uh, specifically related to masters of the universe that, uh, kind of 
surprised you or shocked you? Um, I guess, I mean, there were lots of little tidbits along the way that I thought were um, interesting and surprising and stuff that I didn't know. I would say the overall uh, uh, takeaway of something that was uh, new, interesting, that I hadn't thought about, surprising, was just uh, the way that Mattel handled everything. I was, I kind of felt uh, a very uh, sort of middle-aged loss of innocence um, in, in uh, just listening to these, these people at this toy company and how they, how they just uh, went about, went about doing things, um, you know, writing roughshod over so many other people and so many uh creative ideas and just how the the money aspect of everything just completely uh if if you're if that's all that you're interested in you're you're bound to fail and just thinking about how a multi-billion dollar company can just behave like greedy buffoons was the biggest takeaway uh surprise that i had yeah it's always incredible to me when you you know you really rely on the creatives to, to get the thing that you, whatever it is, whether it's a toy company or a technology company, you got to, you know, you had people sitting in a room doing these designs, uh, doing these, you know, writing these backstories. And really you kind of backed into this, you know, it's highlighted in the documentary, like Mattel had been trying to break into the boys action figure market for a while and it wasn't going well. So they yeah. kind of back into this, this, you know, this He-Man universe and then there's the animated series. Then the, the, you know, the financials keep going up where it's like the first year we made 7 million and then 20, and then it gets into the hundreds of millions of dollars. It's always amazing when those same people who relied on the creatives to get them uh, where they need to be uh, start, like you said, writing, you know, overriding decisions and, uh, just making weird, uh, I don't know, weird Bone, boneheaded calls. Yeah, boneheaded, boneheaded calls, calls uh, about you know not just from a creative point of view, but like the way that the figures are distributed and um, I don't know. Maybe it's just because when you have that much success, it's really hard to imagine what it would be like. Like, there's no way that we can go from 500 million to three million in one year, and like that's what happened essentially. Um, yeah, and part of it's just knowing the uh, the the way that. Uh, people's interests uh, ebb and flow, especially in that those formative years when you're like, you know, obviously the target audience was boys, uh, whatever, ages four to 12. Uh, you know, Star Wars was the biggest thing ever of all time and made more money than anything from a merchandising standpoint. And by 1985 or 86, uh, kids didn't care anymore. So... Yeah. Uh, it's amazing that uh, there wasn't any foresight and planning into, you know, when you think about the overexposure and the. Um, oh, yeah. They had no idea what they were doing. They just got dropped into it and then all of a sudden had to deal. And then when they had to deal, they suddenly have to pretend like they know what they're doing, which right. they didn't. You know, it's I think it's summed up very well by uh, uh, Larry Dottilio, a uh, writer uh, in all the different uh uh, animated shows uh, when he's talking about the uh, 
the reboot on Cartoon Network where he says uh, in season two, he says, if you, if you have a success in the first season, in the second season, all of a sudden the toy companies think they know how to make a television show. And it, and, it, and it's kind of like, you know, any other, uh, let's say, uh, if you want to compare it to like a, a, a visual enterprise, like a, like a television show, if, if you if you give uh, an auteur a complete creative control over what they're doing, they come up with something, all of a sudden it's a success, and they were left alone, all of a sudden if it's a success, now all the network VPs are coming around offering notes on jokes and everything. And it's just like, well, first of all, you weren't here from the beginning. Second of all, you're not funny. And why don't you just let me do what I do? And right. I think that's very much what happened uh, at least in part with with uh, with masters was that all of a sudden you know they they captured lightning in a bottle and then all of a sudden they had to deal with it and they and then they started pretending like they knew what they were doing right and the other thing that's interesting is you know um, the you know now everything even like the new He-Man Origins line that's coming out, it's geared towards collectors. It's not, I don't, you know, I don't know if kids, no, of course. you know, but back then it was like, when you get to, you know, 75, 80 characters deep and some kid is four years old and he goes to the store and he can't find He-Man or Skeletor, uh, that's a problem. So, you yeah. know, it, they, uh, I feel like toy companies have kind of wisened up to that. Uh, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, wrestling figures or turtles or, or whatever, you know, you can go down the toy aisle and get your main characters. But, uh, sure. but from a collector's point of view, it kind of sucks because, you know, we don't get the, you know, long running extensive toy lines that run for five or six years where there's 300 figures and 40 vehicles or whatever. Like that just doesn't happen anymore. Cause yeah. uh, I'm not convinced kids even play with toys anymore. <laughs> like, I don't know, yeah, if, yeah, I don't know right. if it happens. Um, yeah, I know. So, well, listen, Corey, man, thanks for uh, joining. Any uh, anything else you wanted to uh, cover or uh, plug before we uh, wrap up? Uh, no, I, I just uh, I appreciate having a nice conversation with you, and I appreciate that um, you know you found it and that you uh, are uh, uh, talking about it. And um, yeah, it's it's just been it's been really nice. So thank you very much. Absolutely, people have been giving me shit too because um, I, I I do these things with toy collecting. We've we've got a private Facebook group for our podcasts where we've got I don't know seven eight hundred of us just talking toys all day long and. Uh, uh, I make these proclamations and I, I always said I would never collect transformers or masters of the universe. Um, <laughs> my, my, uh, my reasonings were very different. Uh, I found, I thought the, uh, to get into masters of the universe would just be too much of a financial endeavor. Uh, mm-hmm. I just don't like transformers. It's just never been my thing. I don't, if you gave me a transformer, it's like, it looks like a foreign language to me. I don't know how to do it. Just doesn't yeah. interest me. I, I kind of don't care about those. But uh, masters, I was just like, you know, I don't. I just, it's just it's too much because I know I'm not the kind of person I can't just get a vintage He Man and Skeletor and call it a day. It's going to be like, well, I got to get all the you know main. Characters. Well, yeah, that's that's what I was going to suggest. I would say that it's it's a good opportunity for you to grow as a person. I can't and I and can't. just like feel what it's like to just dabble. Like I like this guy. I like this guy, and just. 
breathe and release and just know that it's okay. You don't have to have everything. You know where I'm kicking myself is I actually, like literally two weeks ago said, well, I'll get some of the Super 7, you know, five and a half inch figures and that'll be it. And yeah. and then I immediately was like, well, let me start looking at Masters Universe Classics. Let me just check yeah, it I out. Know. And I know. So, you know, Maddie Collector, uh, we had a, what's his name? Scott, Scott Toy Guru. Yeah. Um, we had yeah, him Scott on Knightlake. a, yes, Knight, Scott Knightley. <laughs> Toy Guru is not his last name, but that's how I know him. Um, yeah. We had him on our show last year to talk the the Mattel Ghostbusters line, uh, which was kind of happening simultaneously with the with the Masters of the Universe line. Obviously, the Masters line was much more successful. And um, but what shocked me was the uh, the aftermarket prices on those figures are oh insane. I know insane uh, it's insane it's absolutely insane. I mean, you've got you know twenty and thirty dollar figures that are now selling for three four hundred bucks. But I know. Um, hey, life of a collector. I could have yeah, picked a different indeed, hobby. Indeed. <laughs> uh, well, listen, Corey, I'm going to uh, point everybody in the direction of Toy Masters, and uh, maybe down the road we can catch up a little bit and uh, see uh, what you're up to. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Craig, for all this. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Take care, man. You as well. Hey, everybody. Craig here. Thank you so much for checking out Yes, Have Some this week. I wanted to tell you about the exclusive Yes, Have Some audio content that you can get on our Patreon page. That's going to be patreon.com slash yes, have some for $5 a month. You're going to be getting exclusive access to our weekly. Yeah. We're doing weekly audio bonus content. Now 15, 20, 25 minutes every week after the regular podcast drops, you can head over to Patreon and it's going to be brand new discussion topics. Things we're not covering on the main podcast feed, bonus fuck budgets, things that maybe we don't want to talk about on the made feed that we want to save for exclusive access to all of our yes have some patreon members now it's only five bucks a month and that goes directly to the podcast for our hosting fees our website costs things like that and we're going to be providing you extra audio content every single week plus a monthly full bonus episode where we break down a movie or an old tv show uh and we'll probably do more than that so we're just kind of getting started with uh patreon we want to make sure that everybody gets a lot out of it so head over to patreon.com slash yes have some and sign up today we appreciate the support now back to the show (laughs) 